welcome to another episode of A Spoonful of Recovery. Just a few trigger warnings, we will be discussing mental health and symptoms of invisible illnesses, so if you find any of those challenging, this episode may not be for you. So today we have Fazana on the show. Fazana, if you'd just like to introduce yourself, please. Hello, I'm Fazana. I'm 31, I'm from Kent. I'm here to discuss about chronic illnesses, really. So <laughs> so just starting off, can you tell us what you've been diagnosed with? So I have, I've actually, I have a lot of, I have many um, illnesses starting from, um, I have something called POTS, it's a dysautonomia. I also have inappropriate sinus tachycardia. I also have supraventricular ectopics. I do have asthma as well. I have hyperability syndrome, Raynaud's syndrome, I also have just been recently diagnosed with bradycardia as well. I do have IBS. That's what I've been diagnosed with so far. So for people who are listening, can you just like, if you can, sum up some of your <laughs> symptoms and how they impact your daily life? So with the POTS side of things, that's where um, it's an autonomic nervous system um, condition and it affects your heart rate and your, blood, and your blood vessels. But it also does affect everything else in your body. For example, like um, your lungs, your stomach, even brain fog, everything. So the symptoms, they all of my conditions overlap with each other, unfortunately. So the symptoms I tend to get is really severe fatigue. And I get chest pain, palpitations, tachycardia. Fatigue is my most difficult one that's to, to, to deal with to deal with. And I also get other symptoms like with my rainals, for example, my hands turn blue. It becomes very painful, especially in the winter. All of my conditions overlap with each other. And with the hypermobility syndrome, that usually, sometimes you can be very flexible. You've got stretchy skin, but it can turn into like um, being really stiff, painful joints, and it adds to fatigue as well. So I've got very painful joints. My hips and my lower back is stuck all the time. So, you know, being sitting down or even standing up for a long period of times is very difficult for me. And for the pot side, the cardiac side of things, walking exercise intolerance also my temperature gauge is broken and that's also part of the pots so in the winter I, it causes me to have chest pain I get very breathless and then when it's the summer for example now all your blood vessels open up and then you you get more prone to blood pooling so all the blood goes to your lower limbs and then you end up fainting and then you end up being breathless it's a lot of symptoms at once um, I can't list all of them from the top of my head it does impact me daily because it impacts my work life, especially my career life. That's the one thing I really struggle with the most, actually. Sometimes work does have disability support, but it's not enough because at the end of the day, most people want people who can work full time, who are healthy, who doesn't have any health issues. Whereas for me, I'm quite limited to that and I have to have like adjustments made for me. I've gone through um, quite this is my fourth job where I've had to resign from because recently I've ended up in hospital again. That is what, that's where it mainly affects me the most. I don't really leave my home. I'm always home all the time. I do drive, but I have an automatic and I have a blue badge, which is uh, very helpful for me because I need to park closer to buildings. Yeah. I can't do heavy lifting. And just if I walk from the, one end of the car park to another car park, then I'll be on the yeah. ground. That's pretty much how it affects me on a daily, daily basis. So, And how... Do you tell where about your symptoms? Do you tell them straight away or do you mention it later on when you've got like a hospital appointment? So basically with my 
most recent workplace, I actually mentioned it in the interview. So when we had the interview, they asked, you know, do you have any questions? And I explained to them, I declared to them saying, I have these conditions. And then I pretty much said that, you know, I would be needing adjustments, for example, like being able to sit down or being able to take a break or, um, and I said that I'm aware of my triggers. I'm aware of when I get chest pains and I'll have to let someone know. And they were fine with it. Actually, they were quite glad that I've told them. Not every workplace would want to hear that. So I wouldn't <laughs> recommend telling everyone. But I was quite lucky in that sense, because that's how I know if someone's going to be good to work with, because it's, yes, it's good for them to have someone to have a good employer, but it's also good for you to have a good management, a supportive management. That's why I tend to declare it, because if problems do come up later on, then you can always mention this, I did declare this in the interview, but I wouldn't recommend to everyone, everybody's different. I was just lucky in that sense. When I do get some, so I do say in the interview, if I do feel unwell during work, I'd let at least one person know about everything. Yeah. And then I let them, and I just tell them that, listen, I'm not feeling well, I need to go and sit down. Um, so that's how I, before I was quite embarrassed to talk about it, because yeah. sometimes you feel like, oh, this person's probably just making it up just to get out of work or something. But uh, eventually I was able to talk about it. Okay, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to sit down. And then eventually they kind of left me to it because they know that, okay, if she needs to go and sit down, then she'll go and sit down kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's how I let them know. And what did the diagnosis look for the different conditions? So like, did you feel unwell one day and then go to your GP and they were like, Fazana, this is what's wrong with you? Or did you go on a bit of a journey? I went on a bit of a journey. So <laughs> um, I had symptoms since I was a child. I used to faint since I was a kid. I remember when I was young, I just couldn't do PE. PE was the whole most worst subject that I could possibly do. I couldn't catch up. I couldn't run. And I didn't understand why. I just thought, oh, maybe it's just I'm unfit or something. And then as I got older, it just got worse. And I remember once I went to the gym with my brother just to test it out. And I couldn't keep up. And I was really struggling. And my brother was like, there's something wrong with your heart. You need to get it looked at. And I was like, no, I don't believe you. But, <laughs> but then eventually... My symptoms got worse to a point I started fainting almost. I fainted every day, up to five times a day. I would vomit all the time because I have food allergies as well. That's another thing that comes with POTS. Not everybody with POTS has it, but some of them have severe food allergies and it's quite a long list of food allergies, very unusual food allergies. I've eliminated all of that from my diet, so it has helped a little bit. So I only got diagnosed in 2014, so when I... And 24 that was when I got diagnosed with POTS first and then all my other diagnosis came along with it afterwards so it did take a long time because at first your age is looked at and your gender is looked at and they automatically say oh it's stress or it's anxiety or it's depression or I was told once it was gas and they gave me Gaviscon wow. and uh, <laughs> I was just like it's not gas or Gaviscon and then I ended up in A&E and they were like your heart rate is too fast and I said oh apparently it's gas <laughs> so I, I, the one thing I cope with it is I do joke about it then eventually I just pushed and pushed and pushed until I got heard and then I was finally referred to a cardiologist and then it's been that's when the diagnosis has been happening ever since then so yeah and how did you deal with being told that you have POTS and all the other sort of diagnoses were you glad or were you just like why me? To be honest, because where I had been gaslighted for a long time and not believed, when I got my diagnosis, I was actually relieved because yeah. I, I had the answers. So 
normally I would probably would have felt really upset but instead of feeling upset I was like oh finally I know what's wrong and then people yeah. can actually believe me and I know it sounds bad because most people are like you should be upset but it's like no actually I wasn't I was happy I was over the moon because yeah. I was like this is why it's not all in my head yeah you know it's all very real and although I have all of these diagnoses I still get gaslighted now mm-hmm. and uh, with you know in the healthcare there's not enough support for for people who've got especially if it's invisible I don't look sick and then everybody just assumes that you're lying I was relieved when I got my diagnosis yeah (laughs) and in terms of support like I'm sure we both feel the gaslighting as you mentioned um, and there is a lot of well you're young you'll get over it (laughs) that aside how were family and friends in terms of your diagnosis did you get much support did you have to educate them or did you just go I can't have these conversations with you (laughs) um at first it took my family a while to understand it especially with the food side of things because I'm very strict with what I eat I no longer eat at other people's houses which obviously in our culture is quite rude but I'm just like no I have to do this for my you know for my health and I I eat fruit but then I have one main meal because that's all I can handle. If I have more than that, then I end up throwing up and end up being sick and I am end up in a lot of pain. And not everyone understands that. So I do get a lot of comments saying, oh, you don't eat enough. That's why you're, you don't have enough energy. Or and it's like, no, that's not the case. Because oh, if you eat normally, you'll be fine. I'm like, no, I'll be sick. <laughs> so, yeah. But then, but that was, that's more like extended family. My immediate family were very supportive from the beginning. It did take them a while. They were upset. They're like, oh, you know, maybe there's a cure or something. But eventually they've learned to accept it like how I've I learned to accept it straight away because I was relieved and I just accepted it straight away I was like I've got this is how it is it took a long time for for me to adjust um, especially with the dietary the limitations the restrictions but once I've adjusted to it I'm okay friends I had these friends at uni and they were amazing because at uni um, during my undergrad that was when I really started to deteriorate, fainting all the time. I was sick all the time. They took me to A&E all the time. Um, oh. They were very supportive from the very beginning. So, and I th- but I think at the same time, it kind of freaked them out because they saw me at the worst, worst point. So I'm lucky in that sense that it was just like four friends of mine that I mainly hung out with. And one of them, especially, they were very supportive. Yeah. Even though like um, one of my closest friends, he jokes around with me all the time. Like he would sometimes kick or try to scare me on purpose just to get my heart rate going and laugh. So that, <laughs> that's just how he is. But I, I laugh with him. I'm just like, you're an idiot. Like, seriously, you're so mean. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I don't take it to heart or anything because I know he's just making a joke of things. And, you know, I appreciate that. He's helped me a lot. He definitely has. What about online support? Do you find like groups and communities online helpful or do you tend to stay away from it? At first, I stayed away from it because some people tried to give you advice. Yeah. And that's what I tried to stay away from. The one thing, my biggest pet peeve is when people try to give me advice or try to fix you. When it's just like, I can't be fixed. I don't actually want to be fixed. And because uh, it's like, I don't need to be fixed because it is what it is. As harsh as it sounds, but that's just how it is, right? But now I've joined a few groups on Facebook. So I have joined a group, a POTS group, two of them. And we actually talk about oh, hey, you know, has anybody got this? Or has anybody got that? Like, we don't ask for medical advice. We just pretty much tell our story. Like, hey, I'm feeling down today or I'm feeling this today or this has happened to me today. And it's quite nice when other people can relate to you. 
Yeah. Like I thought I was just alienated, especially with my food allergies. But then when I went on the POTS group and spoke about it, they're like, hey, we have this too. <laughs> I was just like, I thought it was just me. So it does feel nice to speak to someone who can understand about yeah. it. And but the one thing that about these Facebook groups that they have rules is just not to give advice and not to give medical advice because we're not trained to do that. Yeah. And everybody has different severity of the symptoms and like it affects them in a different way. So not everyone's the same. So that's, I'm very careful with the groups I pick, but yeah. I've got, yeah, so they're, they're very supportive. Like definitely I'd, I'd, I recommend anyone to join anyone just, just so you don't feel alone. In it. Yeah. Cause it is a very isolating feeling and we're both South Asian. So invisible illnesses, mental health. Heavy, exist. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just pray harder. Are stigmatized very heavily. What's your experience been like? So I haven't indirect I haven't directly been told that no one's going to marry you kind of thing. It's more like, so you know how people just give you um in our culture, the one thing there is like a toxic side of our culture thing when it comes to marriage, especially yeah. how, how women are supposed to be. Yeah. And that's pretty much cook and clean and work and expect to do everything when the men just works. And I don't agree with that, right? <laughs> I agree with equality. You know, you have to cook with each other or clean with each other. And yeah. with my conditions, I would need the help. I struggle with cleaning. I struggle with cooking, especially with the memory side of things as well. And just, just doing my room just wipes me out for a good couple of days. Yeah. Um, so I never got comments directly, but indirectly I, I did get comments. Yeah. But I've kind of come to reach to a point where it's like, I do have that feeling of that no one is going to want to marry me because of the way I am. But it's also something I'm okay with. Like I have discussed it with my mom and I did ask her saying, you know, are you okay if I never get married? If I just stay single for the rest of my life? Yeah. And my mom was like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> so, purely because of the expectations of it, how a daughter-in-law should be. And that is not something that I will ever reach up to. So it was a it was a decision that I did make, and that was not to get married, just to stay the way I am, not to have children either because of health reasons. So I'm okay with that. I don't think some people are still trying to push marriage onto me, but that's because they kind they kind of expect me to just be at home, and I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so it's so strange. When I mainly get I mainly get told no because of my skin color and the way I look. <laughs> You're very pretty. Oh, you're really pretty too. Oh, it's, just, it's sad though, isn't it? Because you're dark. I'm sorry. Yeah, the okay. color <laughs> of women culture is yeah a whole different discussion, and I think we are held to such high standards that like we have to meet certain requirements. Yeah. And your are expired after like 25 anyway. Regardless. Oh yeah, I'm definitely expired. I'm 31, yeah. so. <laughs> And there, there may be non-South Asian people listening going, what the hell, you're still so young. And then the, on the other side, it's like, no, but what you do need to hurry up. Like, and I think when yeah. you're okay with being single, other oh, yeah. people find it really hard. Like, they're like, no, 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 it's okay. I, I've got someone, I know someone, don't you worry. Yeah. It's like, no, but I've, I've made the decision yeah. for whatever reason. Mm. And it, is mentally draining trying to talk to people anyway very mentally draining I've been single my whole life so yeah. I've learned yeah. to be content being by myself yeah and I, I love it being by myself you know I don't you know not I don't need anybody 
I mean, apart from, because I live at home, I live at home with my mom, my brother and my sister and my, and my nieces. So I get a lot of help from them, thankfully. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to do it on my own, like physically. Mm. But mentally I'm actually okay with not being with anyone because it's what I'm used to. Yeah, same. Yeah. So I don't think many people, people think that, you know, not being married. I think people think for a woman to be successful, you have to be married and then your class is successful. Like, no, you can be successful without having children. You can be successful without getting married. Yeah. And a lot of my decision is because of my health. If I didn't have any of the health issues, I think I would have been in a different mindset. But I'm more thinking about what's best for me, what yeah. won't make me worse, um, like what won't trigger me worse or exaggerate my symptoms or anything. And I think marriage was, it was a long, hard thing, but it was definitely, I think it's the best decision that I've made so far. And that's not to have anyone in my life. I'm happy with my nieces and nephews and, you know, I can always just pass them back <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, it's good when you can do yeah. that. Yeah. They're like my children anyway, so I'm happy with that. Yeah. And in terms of mental health, when you, I know you said you were relieved, but you might also mention that you stay at home a lot. Do you ever have challenges with your mental health, like low uh, points? Oh, definitely. Um, so as you've mentioned, having chronic illnesses is very isolating. So you do feel very alone. So I can't do normal activities like a normal person can. Like, you know, going to the beach. If I go to the beach in the win- in the summer, I'll be in hospital or I'll just be passed out. You'd have to carry me the whole day, pretty much. Or if I'm going out in the snow, I love the snow, but I can't do that. Or if it's raining. Or even going to restaurants because I have such specific food allergies. I cannot eat out. And not everybody understands that. So I have lost friends because of my restrictions and my limitations Mm. and it did upset me at first I used to get really down like you know I'm losing people because they just you know they're not you know I'm slowing them down or I'm a burden you feel like a burden a lot yeah that's one thing I struggle with and that's feeling like a burden but I think what really gets to me the most is my career side of things like I do feel like the education system and like the work system they need to have more support for people who have invisible illnesses like such like us because and unfortunately, there are some people who are who can't work anymore. And there are some people who can work, but it's 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 tricky because you're sometimes I'm in a situation where I'm not okay enough to work at the moment, but I want to continue to work, but I can't. Yeah. Because I get sick on random days. I don't know. I come at the moment I'm going through a lot more tests again since my last admission in the hospital. Yeah. And when it comes to my career, I'm a very ambitious girl. Yeah. And I've always wanted to be a doctor, but I couldn't because I have dyspraxia and learning difficulties. And then I've got my health issues, but I did push myself to do my master's in biomedical science. So I do have a master's in that, but even doing that, it was online. So that was really helpful. I did everything online. I did end up in A&E five times though. (laughs) Every time I had an exam, that was it. My trip was going to A&E after doing my exam. So it was very difficult and I just passed. I'm not exactly a 90% student kind of thing. I just passed. So with that, I wanted to do a PhD. I still want to do a PhD, but because of my health, it's not supported because, you know, everywhere, everyone expects someone to be full-time who can travel to like London to work and even like normal working, like if you work in the NHS or if you work in retail, you have to be healthy enough to work. And someone as me, the most I could work is part-time three days a week. Yeah. And it had to be a specific time, like nine o'clock till 5.30, not any more than that. I couldn't do shift work either. 
and that's really frowned upon. That's where it really hits my mental health. And most recently, I've had to get therapy because my mental health had just completely plummeted. Yeah. And it came to a point where I started feeling really worthless. I felt extremely worthless of myself. And I thought, what's the point of me being here if I can't even progress in my life, especially in my career? Because that's one thing that I really wanted to thrive in. Yeah. And that's when I started getting therapy because I told my GP, like, I'm feeling like this. And he referred me. And then we started talking about it's cognitive therapy that I was getting. So it's helping me think in a more healthy mindset. And the one thing that she had helped remembered was my health is the most important thing. And I always have to put that first. Yes. And, you know, maybe one day I'll find if I stabilize again, because at the moment I'm unstable, but if I do, maybe I'll find something career-wise or, you know, because lately I've been looking for, just randomly searching for PhDs, but all of them is full-time and it's all there in London. I don't travel to London yeah. unless I have a hospital appointment, but that my brother takes me instead. And because just, taking public transport is difficult. So I don't take the bus, you know, I don't take the train. If I have to, then I do, but I try to avoid it because of the, you know, walking to the train station, standing up, waiting at certain, certain times, it's tiring. Sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional to talk about that. Uh, so that's where, that's where I struggle mentally. I have had moments where I just felt really worthless. That was quite recently until I started getting therapy. Yeah. So I'm in a better mindset now. Good to hear. And I think that's one thing that I wanted to kind of highlight on the podcast because when I first got ill I'd never been ill so to me it was like how can I go from traveling the world alone being fairly fit and healthy to dropping on the floor and everyone saying that I'm making it up and I was fighting so many battles and then everyone around me was like stop making it up yeah and then it was almost like I felt like everyone was ashamed of me I felt like a burden again felt worthless like I'm not enough a lot of people just didn't want to talk to me they ghosted and I was like thanks for that (laughs) my time of need but I've learned to say no when I think therapy is great finding the right therapist helps so much because there might be things that even just accepting that your life has changed like I still want to get married and have kids but I just get to the point where I'm like is my condition being used against me because mm. it's not my fault but do I yeah. just accept that you know I'm quite content with everything I do and stuff but um yeah it just can sometimes be like thanks for that and we're not being lazy deliberately we most yeah chronic sometimes I feel people... like we're being lazy but it's like yeah. I'm not I'm really trying because with chronically ill people I don't think people realize it's just just doing something normal as in like just doing shopping takes up a lot of energy whereas with a, a non-chronically ill person they can they've got the more energy they've they've, they don't have these other conditions that's putting them back so I don't think people realize that just for example just standing up with my pots just standing up alone takes a lot of energy yes and it just wipes you out yeah and um, not everybody understands that and I think that's where that's quite it's quite difficult yeah what do you think needs to be done to raise awareness I I personally think in the healthcare people need to be educated with it actually because it's very surprising how not many healthcare staff don't know about the conditions actually yeah. or they think it's just or they think it's just black and white when it's not it's actually gray like there's just it's many different colors it's not just one thing there's so many other 
syndromes and like symptoms around it but they just think oh it's just a and b just do this for example go and exercise you'll be fine it's like uh no I'll, I'll end up becoming more sick actually if I exercise thank you for that but then you've got other people like who can exercise it's like just because they're exercising doesn't mean that I can yeah and I personally think that I think at the moment especially with POTS they have got a book that's come out which is slowly being t- um, distributed to like GPs so that they can read upon it but I do think that for example like whoever's learning medicine I do think that they need to learn more you know the only thing that they they learn is pretty much textbook things which yeah. is easy to see which is easy to spot right but then whereas conditions like such as your conditions or such as my conditions it takes a long time just to be found yes because it's it's rare and it's not really it's not really known but then yeah. at the same time I don't think it's learned enough so that's what I think that where it needs to change I think it's like you, you know healthcare they need to learn more about it and yeah. really take their time rather than having like a one-hour lecture and then that's it done yeah and I think like education wise as well I think they also need to give more support disability support that's and, and in the work and in the work world as well I think they need to give more support for people like us just yeah. so we're given the chance it's like we didn't ask to be ill we didn't ask to be you know the way we are we yeah. it's just it's just there and there's nothing we can do about it there yeah. is no cure that's the one thing they need to understand is there isn't a cure we're not going to get better our symptoms can be managed to a point but we're never going to get better we're going to be like this so provide us with more support give more part-time jobs give more adjustments give us the chance to be able to thrive in what we want to do and that's also in the education system as well we need more support they need to do more courses which are online they need to do um, they need to do more courses which are closer to home and I'm really passionate about that because you know, I want to do a PhD, but I can't, but I can't because they're always either somewhere too far or they're full time and they expect the very best. And I'm not the very best. I'm an average student, but I do work very, very hard. Otherwise I wouldn't have got my master's. That's where I think needs to be changed. And it's quite sad because, you know, especially with people who can't work, the support they get afterwards, for example, like from, uh, I think, money wise where you get help extra money it's not enough like I think you need more support than that mm. like it's quite sad and that's where I think definitely 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 needs to change if I could change all of it I would but <laughs> one day Donna, don't you worry you and I will probably be working together very yeah. soon <laughs> stuff I've got planned but yeah I think it's interesting when like my MRI scan came out clear and I fought to get that scan and then they were like it's fine it's psychological here's a link to a website tell your parents you're fine okay and it's up to you how bad you want to get better and I was like but I'm dropping on the floor and he's like yeah just stop doing it then I thought genius thanks for that one yeah wow, yeah like thank so you I'm, <laughs> I'm doing it deliberately am I yeah if you look at my lifestyle I'm not someone who wants to be ill like many others we're trying to get better and it's mm. all the gaslighting and stuff have there been any silver linings for you like is there something that you do that you wouldn't necessarily have done I think the silver lining is I now appreciate other people who have chronic illnesses more yeah because 
where because before my family are unhealthy <laughs> so I've learned to live I've learned to uh, handle you know um, understand about illnesses from a very young age but that was conditions which are you know for example heart disease you know you're diagnosed with it and you know it's there like if someone's had a heart attack you know it's there and everything it's hard to deal with but when it comes to other people who have these illnesses I didn't know anything about it I was quite ignorant about it I didn't know anything I didn't even know it existed yeah. now that I know these existed it's actually made me appreciate it a lot more like it's like wow there's actually so many more other invisible illnesses that I just don't know that's out there and that's what the silver lining is it's made me appreciate it a lot more and be a bit more understanding towards people who are ill and yeah. that's the silver lining otherwise you know I spend a lot of time with my family now that's another silver lining like I spend especially my nieces they love it because I'm always home with them Aww. and um so that's the good side about it I mean I know a lot of people I do get comments like oh you must it must be really nice to be home all the time and not work I would love to be in that situation it's like no you don't want to be in that situation it's not a holiday (laughs) it's not a holiday no it's just like I don't it's like I think what people assume is when someone's sick they still go out and party or like anything like that it's like actually no I don't because I spend my, my time at home just trying to get through the day yeah <laughs> pretty much like, pain. yeah because yeah. <laughs> like, I'd never leave I don't leave my home um like we had either recently and it was all here it was all at home thankfully we had all the family come over and we had everyone staying over that was unfortunately after Eve I did end up becoming more ill but it was worth it I suppose so yeah I think the silver lining about that is one, I appreciate everybody who are who have got illnesses a lot more. And I also do a lot more research as well. I like doing research anyways. Like it's something I've always been into, like researching, especially with the cardiovascular side of things and the biomedical side of things. I've always loved doing that. So I do my own research and things. It's just so I am aware. So for example, when I found out what the condition you have, I did more research on it just because I wanted to know more about it rather mm. than just being you know, a bit ignorant about it and just not wanting to know. Yeah. So I think I do appreciate, like, I, I want to learn more. That's yeah. what, it's definitely made me more, I'm not really good with words. I'm trying to, th- um, curious, maybe? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely a PhD student in the making, you can just tell. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. So say if someone's listening to this podcast and they've been diagnosed with invisible or chronic condition and they're not really getting any support from anyone around them or GPs or anyone what advice would you give them I would the advice I would give them is if you're comfortable with it try and join some support groups because you won't feel alone and then you would you would understand that actually it's actually like for example my condition POTS it's more common than I than you think like it's rare but it's actually not it's actually very common it's just underdiagnosed it's misdiagnosed all the time Mm. and I would recommend getting support online even if it's through Facebook it's not much but it helps and also just to keep going like it's it's very difficult to go through things on your own but the only person that is there for you is yourself yeah you can have family around you or your friends but they will never understand what you're going through because they're not in your shoes so Mm. the only person you have is yourself so just keep pushing yourself and keep you know working on yourself and you know don't give up as hard as it sounds but just keep going and 
you know, eventually. And also if there are, if you are struggling mentally, there are help out there. And I would, I would recommend getting help, like just to speak to someone. Yeah. You know, just to let out your emotions, just to say, I'm feeling like this, this is going on in my life. Because that person won't be biased at all. That person will just listen to you and then you can just talk about how you're feeling. That would that's the advice I would definitely give. It's easier said than done because I'm sure you and I have been in a situation where it's just we felt like giving up and yeah. we felt so alone. Mm-hmm. But you know, the fact that the one thing I can say about people who have chronic illnesses is that we're warriors. We're actually a lot stronger than we think we are. Yeah. I'm not, and I mean that's I'm talking about mentally, physically that's something else but mentally we're actually very a lot more stronger than other people I would normally I would say like for example and I've said this to someone too because someone made a comment like a sake comment about oh you know if I were you I could still work and everything and then I said if you were in my shoes just for one day you wouldn't last yeah yep and it's so so true it's so true yeah and it's just like I'm actually a lot stronger than you will ever be yeah because you will never experience I hope you'll never experience what I'm experiencing. I would never ask this on anyone. Yeah. And that's another advice I'd give to everyone. It's just like, we're actually very strong individuals. Don't ever forget that. Yep. And just keep going and keep fighting. And if you've been gaslighted, just keep fighting. Because uh, it took me years to keep fighting until I finally got heard. And I'm sure you went through the same thing. Just keep going, keep fighting keep doing things for yourself because no one else will do that for you you have to keep doing it for yourself and you'll eventually get to a point where you will accept how things are and then you'll try to work your way around it but try not to let it get you down as easy as said and done and just keep going that's what I would say yeah try and find you know other people who have same make new friends if you can I find it very difficult to make friends very difficult but for example, like when I comment on your TikToks, it makes me feel good. I'm just like, oh, yes, you know, like, you know, I feel good like that. So I recommend doing something like that as well. Find someone who's got common ground, even if it's just commenting on the videos. It makes a difference. So I'll definitely recommend it. Everyone, please follow her on TikTok. <laughs> I was going to say, plug your TikTok. <laughs> um, I haven't got, I have TikTok, but I don't have any like videos on it. I'm not, I'm not, I am planning to do a blog rather than a vlog um I'm just quite stuck I don't know how to start it the blog just yet so don't worry we'll get you on there don't you (laughs) we'll get we'll get that sorted but yeah thank you so much for that and I think everyone has their one thing like for me I used to fly drones in the Peak District on like a daily basis and now that the weather's changed and it's warmer I can't go and capture those pink sunsets and I'm sat in the garden going I could be at the peaks and it's sometimes it's really hard. Like I want to get a car later on this year and yeah. drive myself there and not have to rely on someone because that person will do it now and again, but not yeah. like all the time. And I think finding other ways to kind of accept things. So in terms of self-care, everyone thinks yoga, turmeric latte. Mm. I used to run all the time. I can't do that anymore. So it's like you feel like you've had everything stripped off you yeah. and thought, desperately seeking other things and nothing's really making you happy and yeah. then left with your thoughts and I think that's probably when you get to those low points because I've been there when I I'm having to close my old business down because mm. I physically can't stand up for too long um but then I started a new one and I am a lot more passionate about this 
and I do a bit more I do the podcasting I'll edit so today I am slightly wiped out I will just edit this and then kind of just sign out of the day and other people may just think oh is that all you did today x y and z but I'm not too bothered now of how people perceive yeah. me whereas before I was I was I was breaking barriers and you know people will hear from me now it's I'm at, I'm at peace with where I am even if it's not where I want to be I'm kind of just yeah with where my body takes me any last words not really just everybody who's watching this please follow her on TikTok <laughs> uh, watch her content I watch it all the time and you know you can you can definitely relate to her we have very different conditions but we can relate to some point um I definitely recommend watching her yeah that's all I can say is just please follow her on TikTok you won't be disappointed she's Aww. absolutely lovely so please join join <laughs> oh thank you so much thank you